I see you have found my mirror, too. An old woman brought it to me ten years ago when I'd first taken over. She said it was magic. She said by looking into it, I could see the faces of my assassins. <laughs> that is right. Look deep, Gianna Clemente. Find out who your assassins are. You will see them in that mirror. You will see them in the mirror, in the dark corners. You will see them in the crowd. You will see them everywhere. You've just made a wrong turn heading south onto strange highways. Enter Death's waiting room, if you dare. And welcome to Strange Highways. I am Paul. And I'm Kevin. Uh, sorry about the uh, delay with the episode last week. I was too busy learning the rules to pool. Yeah. Uh, I'm hoping people watch that Pretty Boy Floyd video I put up because there's important tips in there about how to win a pool. <laughs> yeah. Um, I know we talked about it on Invasion, but uh, uh, I, I just want you to bring up how you did on the croquet tournament again. Oh. Since um, we uh, talked yeah. about it on this one. Okay. Well, um, it. Uh, yeah, that happened. Uh, so we, uh, we strove for greatness, uh, and we missed greatly and it was very frustrating cause it's just croquet is it's the great equalizer. It's like, you know, somebody could just go along and suddenly do really well, or you could get hung up on one wicket and then never go any further. So that happened kinda like pool, <laughs> kind of like pool. Yeah. Um, I, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't like taunt the heavens and being like, I want to challenge the best croquet player. Cause I don't know if one of those exist, but, uh, yeah, maybe there's one guy, one guy waiting in heaven, waiting for somebody to call out for him. And he's just been waiting for years and no one has. Uh, but we did make it. And then uh, my my uh, my friend's father was like, nah, you know, go get a prize. You guys drove the furthest to get here. And that's and I told that to you before, but it's just like, don't just make up prizes. But I will take that keg of beer that you have there. So I took a mini keg as a consolation prize um, again. Uh, I got to get ready for next year. So my practice for next year was the game I just played two weeks ago. So I am ready to go and I'm going to be angry again when we don't win. So, yeah, yeah, it, it happens. I'm not good at any game. So <laughs> <laughs> I would say I'd help you train, but I probably haven't played croquet in 15 years. So, so wait, you tell me there's not like a Tony Hawk pro skater tournament or something that you'd be able to enter like, like the wizard nah. and do. Okay. Does that, does that count as sports? <laughs> it's, I mean, it, it's, it's, um, extreme sports video gaming i don't i don't know i got nothing yeah maybe if i played tony hawk one in like a speed round i might actually be able to get somewhere (laughs) did you ever use those fingerboards in real life like those finger-sized skateboards did you ever buy those little 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 tech decks or whatever yeah I, i had some of those uh until they got taken away by my teachers in school because uh <laughs> those things were real obnoxious on desks i was gonna say did you think maybe you could turn pro with those 
I don't know if that ever existed, but I was actually pretty decent with those things. I like the idea that there's bad. like like the like the the fingerboards are going to be like an exhibition sport at the Olympics one year. Like just like <laughs> everybody just you know. They were uh, my generation's fidget spinners, basically. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah. So I guess we just established we're not good at sports, and uh, yeah. So that happened. So thank <laughs> you for reminding me to bring up my failure on this show. So no, I'm, um, I'm sorry. I just I felt like we talked about it, uh, and de- thank you again for having me on Invasion last week to discuss the Mission Impossible films. Um, but we talked about it on there, and I figured we should bring it up here in case our listeners were dying to know how you did well, and, in your croquet trick. Because you specifically <laughs> called me out last last episode and said, I'm going to ask you how it turns out. So thank you for you know bringing that back full circle, because I was aware that you asked me that question. I was going to pretend it wasn't asked and just move on. That's what I was gonna... <laughs> All right. Fair enough. Yeah. Fair enough. So this well, episode, I, um, I'm sorry, unless you had other questions about my humiliating sports abilities, I can talk about that no, forever. No, I'll let it go. I'll let it go from <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so this episode is The Mirror, uh, Season 3, Episode 6. Uh, you heard the whole thing in the intro. We're done here. Good night, everybody. Have a good have a good episode. We'll see you next time. Uh, yeah, this is, this is another one of those uh, real dialogue-heavy episodes. So our, uh, our run through the synopsis of this might be pretty quick, but hopefully we'll have something else to talk Did about. Would you say we'll have time? for reflection at the end. Do you think we'll have that? Anyway, yeah. All right. Hopefully. Well, I got, I got tickets to see that new mission impossible. So hopefully not too much reflection. <laughs> so do you hear like a fuse burning the entire time while we're waiting? Oh, like, I, I can see it burning. <laughs> it's, it's getting shorter. I actually, uh, I listened to the limp biscuit song by my own choice while I was, uh, finishing up notes for this episode. Wow. That's uh yeah. That, well, that's how dedicated I am to this Mission Impossible series. That's funny. Uh, so, uh, <laughs> all right. So th- this uh, episode, uh, weirdly enough, has no Limp Biscuit in it. Who'd have thought? Uh, so it does Eric, have some Mission Impossible connections. It There's does. A few yeah. actors that did some uh, episodes of the old TV show. So, uh, air date October twentieth, nineteen sixty one. Number one song is "Hit the Road Jack" by Ray Charles. Uh, number one film is West Side Story. Uh, that's important because that film kind of like uh set fire to like everything like it was a huge hit and it's going to dominate like a lot of the later part of this year so that's important to note um so on the 22nd two days after this this episode aired uh, chubby checker performed his uh 1960 number one hit the twist on the ed sullivan show reigniting the popularity of both the dance and the record the song returned to the top 103 weeks later and became the first and only hit single to reach number one twice i don't know if that's true because didn't Unchained Melody kind of come back like three different times? Over, yeah, I like, thought so. I feel like we've talked about a few songs that have come back. And didn't Bohemian Rhapsody come back like with Wayne's World? I don't know if it hit number one. I mean, I, maybe maybe that's the big thing is hitting number one on the chart. I don't know. But I thought. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't think Bohemian Rhapsody ever hit number one again um, after Wayne's World. But it, I'm charted again. Yeah, I'm pretty sure Unchained Melody like came back because of Ghost, right? That was the big deal about it, whatever. So, anyway, good old Chubby Checker that his hit from this 1960. The twist is awesome. It is awesome. Everybody loves that song. But, it's but, one of those songs that I don't think I've ever met anyone that's been like, I hate that song. <laughs> <laughs> um, but the, the, the fact that it, it was number one a year previous and then became number one again, like that's supposed to be like this amazing thing where I'm like, that really isn't that much time. Maybe people are like, oh yeah, I forgot about that. I should go buy that record. Like, I don't know. Like, it'd be one thing if like he performed the twist now in the Ed Sullivan theater, even though, you know, like what we're talking about the late show with Colbert and it becomes a number one hit. That would be, <laughs> that'd be amazing. Right. But whatever. Be terrifying. <laughs> I don't know if I want to watch it. Right. Um, so yeah, that's all I got for uh, day and date. 
Nice. So we'll jump into cast and crew here. So the mirror was directed by Don Medford, who we previously talked about in a passage for trumpet. Um, and the man in the bottle that has, uh, certain connections with this episode. Um, and I, I guess we'll talk it not, I guess it's not a crazy connection, but it has Hitler in it. So, yeah, you know, I mean, Don, kinda, Don kinda Medford, like, he, he likes his dictators, you know? So, yeah. Um, yeah. And then Passage for Trump, it had that uh, Abraham Lincoln lookalike that was the great dictator. No, not really. Uh, so, um, yeah. Uh, so, and, and this was written by Rod Serling. You could tell that he had he had something important to say <laughs> with this episode. Yeah. yeah. He had a lot to say. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, um, definitely go back and check out Passage for Trump if you want to hear our talk on Don Medford's other uh, body of work. But the cast, we have Peter Falk, who plays Ramos Clemente. Uh, who everyone would probably know as Columbo. He plays the main character Columbo in that film. Uh, this was his only Twilight Zone appearance. And uh, fun fact from his IMDb trivia, because I love pulling that random stuff. He was a president of his high school class. Nice. Um, <laughs> And, and also, I mean, he's really rememberable from being the grandfather in The Princess Bride, the one that was reading the book to Fred Savage. Yes. Um, yeah, which is one of my wife's favorite films. So yeah. She watches that thing like monthly. And I did not know that he was nominated for two Academy Awards right before this episode. Like he actually was like a big deal, like super big deal to get on TV. Was it for his performance in Corky Romano? <laughs> yeah, he was nominated. He was. <laughs> they looked to the future and they're like, we got to have him. And in the, yeah, like 1960, they, they, they try to give him the Oscar for Corky Romano and no one knew what that was at the time. They're like, just wait, like it's going to blow your, it's going to knock your socks off in like 40 years. Chris Kattan, he's going places you don't even know yet. So yeah. Yeah. The fun thing about him that uh, we were kind of discussing off air. I didn't realize uh, that he had one eye. It was one of those things that I feel like I did know at one point, uh, but I don't remember that at all. Well, it's it, I I didn't know that he had a glass eye because I get you know he had some surgery younger and, you know, and lost the eye, so he has a glass eye, and it kind of you know when you think of Columbo, he always had like those you know and another thing and those kind of ticks. You know, he'd always have the cigar and like kind of scratching his temple as he's talking, and I think a lot of his his performance would always be like you know he. He would always have his good eye towards the camera. And I made the joke for a recording and I think it makes sense because he knew he wanted to be aware of what he was doing and wanted to always be you know, front facing with, with his field of vision. So I never thought about it, but he always kind of had um, a, not a squint, but there was a, a peculiar look about him. And you see it a little bit here in this episode. And it's because, you know, that it's because of the glass eye, which I mean, you know, how does your body know how to react to something that's not really there? Or I should say, yeah. not organically there. You know, so I mean, watching this episode, if you if you look at it super close, with the benefit of having a streaming service and high definition, you can see yeah. because like it's something the color is not quite right at times, and then obviously the pupil doesn't change. But if if you if I wasn't looking for it, I wouldn't know it. Yeah, it just like uh, most of the mustaches on this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like I like the idea that maybe all these actors were like burdened with having a fake mustache throughout the rest of their career because of this episode. <laughs> it's like a childhood, a young childhood accident. They were not able to grow a mustache, so they had a prosthetic I one know, attached. I, 
I know this is an audio podcast, but I put on my fake mustache just for this episode. Are, are you supporting Henry Cavill because uh, you're about to go see the new Mission Impossible? Is that what's going I on? I am. <laughs> I am. Uh, so next up, we have Will Kaluva, who plays General De Cruz, uh, who is in one other future episode of The Twilight Zone, which we'll cover. Uh, two episodes of Alfred Hitchcock Presents. And uh, another fun trivia thing. I, I guess it's not fun. <laughs> But uh, he died at 73 years old while scuba diving in the British West Indies. Oh, I thought you were going to come up with like a helicopter stat or something. I'm like, well, no, you said scuba but diving. I'm like, they did a helicopter that's crash. That's a way to go. Yeah, yeah, that is a way to go. Yeah. That guy's more badass at 73 on the way out than I will ever be in my entire life. So credit yeah. to him. I guess, like I said, I guess it's not a fun trivia fact, but uh, that's how he went. Yeah. <laughs> crazy. I don't know if you have anything else for him. I, I had nothing. I was like first of yeah. two appearances of the Twilight Zone. So you're going to see that my um my want of digging deep into this episode ran thin real quickly for, <laughs> for, <laughs> for reasons we're going to get into. So um, yeah, fair enough. Yeah, considering that the previous episode only had two actors, and I thought I could really kind of just get like get involved with both of them. I'm like, wait, there's like five guys I've never heard of. Yeah, so I didn't really get into this a whole lot. Yeah, well, we talked about a few other ones. So next up, we have Anthony Carbone, who plays Cristo. And uh, he was in one of my favorite films, Pit in the Pendulum, with Vincent Price. Uh, he was also in Creature from the Haunted Sea, which is a pretty classic uh, horror film. And this was his only Twilight Zone appearance. And I wrote uh, A Bucket of Blood. I figure that's one people talk about. Oh, yeah, that's a fun one, too. I don't know how I missed that one. Yeah, it's like a beatnik uh, sculptor who's basically pouring uh, cement or something over dead bodies after mm. he kills them to make statues out of them to so he can get into the local art scene. Oh, it's from the 60s. Yeah, it's pretty fun. He's like he's like a wannabe beatnik and he can't really find his in into the art community. So he accidentally kills, I think, his first victim, turns him into a statue and presents them. And everyone's like, this is amazing. So he realizes that he has to keep doing it to get the admiration of his peers. Huh. That that sounds like an episode of Alfred Hitchcock presents. Like that's what kind yeah, of yeah. It, like it yeah. kind of feels like yeah. it, but it's 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 quirky though. It's got this weird like uh, this kind of like freeform jazz soundtrack and everything <laughs> to it. Uh, it's, I'm, I'm his, down. His performance is a little bit more comedic than you'd expect for that, um, but it, it kind of pokes fun at that whole. Uh, demographic the entire film so nice definitely check that one out i totally missed that i love that movie um next up we have i gotta bring this up because i can't read my handwriting arthur batanidas who plays the ball um he was in i i believe we talked about him on mr denton on doomsday but uh if we didn't i would be remiss if i did not bring up the fact that he was in eight episodes of Johnny Midnight. Yep, that's what I was going to bring up as well. I was like, this guy is all over Johnny Midnight. And then he was also uh, Mr. Kirkland in the Police Academy series. He showed up at five different movies in the Police Academy. Yeah, two through six. (laughs) Yeah. So, but yeah, a lot of Johnny Midnight, which I don't know if we, I I don't know if we were really on the Johnny Midnight train back on the second episode of season, uh, season one. So yeah, I I don't think we were, that's why I wrote it down. Cause I'm like, I'm sure we covered something on him, but, uh, I didn't want to miss out on that Johnny midnight reference. (laughs) So I appreciate that. He was a supporting role. So I like that. He not only just showed up, like he actually, you know, was part of the plots. It wasn't just like a one-off. So I like that. He was, what was it? Police Sergeant Oliveria. So yeah, I just, whatever that is, (laughs) 
I still kind of, yeah, I'm sorry. I still oh, kind of, I kind of want to watch an episode kind of like how we want to watch an episode of Hawaii and I, I, I just want to see, I just want to see one episode of Johnny Midnight because clearly it didn't go past like a certain point, but clearly enough people worked on it that I think it's worth my time just to see the beautiful failure that is Johnny Midnight. Can we do an episode like mid season where we watch the pilot episode of Johnny Midnight, Hawaii and I and super train. If we could, if we could, if we could find those episodes, I would book it right now. That would be, be I'm going to start, I'm going to start hunting them down. (laughs) The next up, we have Rodolfo Hoyas Jr. as Garcia. Um, He was in one episode of night gallery and this was his only twilight zone appearance. Not too much on him. Yeah. Um, Then we have Vladimir Sokolov who we, who plays father Thomas, Tomas, who we discussed in the episode dust. Yeah. Surprisingly, surprisingly Russian gentleman who plays a lot of Hispanic roles. And he was also uh, known for his role as like the patriarch and the magnificent seven. So we were surprised at his true heritage for the amount of different character roles he played. Yeah. I, as soon as his name popped up, I'm like, we've talked about that guy before. (laughs) My note Um, note was previously seen in dust, still surprisingly Russian. That was my note for him. And then lastly, we have uh, Richard Carlin, who plays D'Alessandro. Yeah, D'Alessandro. D'Alessandro, excuse me. D'Alessandro, who we talked about previously on the episode of Twilight Zone, Execution. Yeah, he was the bartender that was like, why are you shooting this jukebox? Also, let me show you a television. That's not going to freak you out. You know, like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then I just want to. I think he had the most egregious fake uh, mustache <laughs> in this episode. <laughs> um, and then I also want to mention Robert McCord, who has been like, we talk about him being in like 30 some episodes of Twilight Zone. This might be the one time you're able to single him out because he is shown as, as being oh, the bearded yeah. guard with the priest. So there is a shot of him with uh, uh, Vladimir Sokolov, and you can actually see him by himself, even though he's wearing like, you know, also a fake mustache and a military uniform. That is Robert McCord. You got to identify him because otherwise he's just going to vanish in the crowd. Like Carmen San Diego. You'll never know who he is. So yeah, bearded yeah. guard with priest. Yeah. Perfect. Perfect. <laughs> Perfect. That's like great, great credit. Yeah. So yeah, that's your cast. Yeah, um, yeah. that's it. All right. Kind of a big cast for, uh, not much ado for most of them. <laughs> so yeah, let's get into this, uh, two hander of an episode. Let's certainly take it away. This is the face of Ramos Clemente. A year ago, a beardless, nameless worker of the dirt who plotted behind a mule, furrowing someone else's land. Then he looked up at a hot Central American sun and he pledged the impossible. He made a vow that he would lead an avenging army against the tyranny that put the ache in his back and the anguish in his eyes. And now, one year later, the dream of the impossible has become a fact. In just a moment, we will look deep into this mirror and see the aftermath of a rebellion in the Twilight Zone. Yeah, there you go. That's your intro. Um, I, yeah, I just, I mean, it's fine. It's just, he set the stage and he moved on. So it's dramatic. Very dramatic. Uh, He's so dramatic in this intro. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so we start off with, with the end of a coup where it's, uh, um, I want to get all these names mixed up. Uh, Clemente and crew have overthrown um, general de Cruz and that's basically the very, very end. Right. So the, the, they're celebrating, uh, they're in like, you know, the main office of the, uh, basically the president's office and you, and you kind of hear like oh, the, the city is like over overjoyed for them. 
and then uh, while they're kind of like basically they're 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 all congratulating each other, but it's uh, it's it's almost like they feel righteous that they did something, and that yeah. they've upset they've I upset mean, it, the government. Th- there's a point where Clemente is raising a toast, and he was like, "Ah, celebration, getting drunk." He's like, "What gets you drunk more, this this wine?" Or the mob chanting your name yeah. and everything. You can tell that he's kind of soaking in on what they've just done. He's he's really kind of too proud of what he's accomplished. Yeah, and so he's going around and he has his crew with him, which I just want to mention right now, and you know, maybe I'll beat you to the joke. As he goes off and lists his crew, it's almost like he's describing a boy band. I don't know if you picked up on that. Where he's yeah. like, <laughs> yeah. So I, I actually wrote them down. I don't know if you, yeah, you caught all of them. <laughs> yeah. So you have Cristo, the bold one, De Alessandro, the dedicated one, Tobal, the quiet one, and Garcia, the strong one. Yeah, <laughs> Garcia is the bad uh, boy. That's <laughs> yeah. Garcia is definitely AJ from Backstreet Boys. Like, <laughs> oh. Yeah, I mean, the way this kind of described it, like I remember the first time I watched that pause, that looked at my wife, I was like, this is a boy band. And it's just the way. So yeah. so if they were in sync, who would be Justin Timberlake? That's all I want to know. <laughs> oh, I don't know. I mean, I guess we have to slap a bunch of just fake mustaches and facial hair on all in sync and kind of line them up. <laughs> I'm going to say Christo, the <laughs> bold one, is Justin Timberlake. <laughs> Like, do we, do we do this as in sync or we do this as menudo? Like, I don't know how to line this up. So yeah, yeah I mean, we can pick any of them. They're all basically the same, uh, <laughs> the <Yeah>. same characters. <laughs> so as he's going through this, um, they, there's actually the one thing I'll mention too, is that there's this harpsichord music that plays through this that I actually like a lot. The harpsichord is really, really cool with this. And it gives it more of a sinister type of vibe the entire time. So credit to the episode. Yeah, and it, the music, the good. music, Definitely doesn't overstay its welcome because um, there's a lot of this episode that does not have a score over it. And you just hear background noise, which I don't want to spoil what that background noise is yet. Um, but it definitely does not it does not uh, take away from the episode at all. No. Um, so at this point, they uh, they bring in. Um, oh, this is going to be like the cruise. The cruise. Yeah. <laughs> And basically they dress him down like he's, uh, you know, they've captured him. They've overthrown the government and they're just trying to shove in his face. Um, don't they threaten to basically kill him? Like there's this big, long threat about oh, like, yeah, oh, yeah, they, they threaten. I uh, Clemente threatens to slit his throat, cover him with honey and leave him in the hot sun for the ants to devour him. And then every time he cries out for help, he will drink <laughs> is what he said. Something yeah, he's effect, going right? to drink and laugh. Yeah. So like that was a that was a very dark statement. That was probably the darkest and most violent statement we've had on the Twilight Zone so far. So my question to you is: Do you think a young younger Al Pacino watched this performance of Peter Falk and was like, you know what, I kind of like that. I think I want to use that going forward for everything. <laughs> Scarface, <laughs> yeah, like, not just not just Scarface, but the whole like just bravado and just being like, this is what I'm going to do to you. Just the way Falk was carrying himself. I'm like, I kept seeing Pacino the entire time. And I don't yeah, think I can I, see it. Yeah, I can, I can definitely see that. But as far as Twilight Zone goes, like that was it was dark. Yeah, that was intense. Like that was, and I will say that this episode is pretty straight to the point and what it's trying to get across. Um, if it weren't for Peter Falk's performance in this, I don't know if this would have held up as well as it did. That's fair. Yeah, I mean, he really he really leans into it. So, um, you know, the one who is surprised at their success. And then drunk on power, and then we'll get to what happens. But basically, yeah. uh, unfortunately, that tr- that change happens very quick in the yes, episode. It does. 
so the cruise is, is basically telling him the same thing of just like, you think you got this figured out. You don't know what's going on. And, you know, it's like, you know, basically he's like, you know, be careful what you wish for. And also heavy is the head that wears the crown is basically what he's telling him. Like, you yeah, know, he's you know. like, you know, we're all the same. The same thing is going to happen to you once you take power here. Um, it, all that's waiting for you on the other side is fear, fear of assassin, assassination, fear of what's what's waiting outside of these walls for you. Yeah. And uh, so as they're leading him out of the room, he references the mirror, which you heard in the intro of this episode. It, he talks about the, this old woman brought him a uh, mirror. And when you look into it, you can see the face of your assassin. Yeah. And, uh, and you know, it's kind of dismissed and De Cruz goes on his way. And then as, um, as I'm going to get these, as Clemente is like talking to his men, he looks in the mirror like, and this is like, he has like the four, his four, his four friends, right? The, the, the four pillars of the revolution that he's trusted. These are his brothers, right? His, uh, his compañeros, if you will. And, um, <clears throat> Vamos and, Amatar. Yeah. Right. And, uh, and within like a second, he looks in the mirror and he's like, oh, like who, I forget the first one. Uh, let's see. No, actually, I'm sorry. I have this written down here. Um, uh, it's Delisandro. The first time he looks in the mirror, Delisandro is shown with a machine gun, but he doesn't have a machine gun anywhere near him. When he tur- whenever Clemente turns around, and looks at him. <laughs> the, uh, the way that the assassins in the mirror are, uh, <laughs> coming towards him are so funny. Like <laughs> it's, it's like, it's like a fun house, you know, it's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. It, 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 it's so goofy. It, I, I appreciate what the episode was going for with it, but it's so, I, I don't even know the word I'm looking for. Um, it's, 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 it's over the top. It's over exaggerated. Yeah. Like it's just, it's ridiculous. Yeah. So then whenever, uh, D'Alessandro has the gun, uh, but doesn't have the gun really, but Clemente is like, you're about to turn on me. So he gets rid of him. Is this, he's the one he throws off the balcony, right? Is that the one? He, yes. Yeah. Yeah. So he pushes him off the balcony into the crowd of people, which is, uh, probably not a good idea to get your, uh, country support. <laughs> well, no, um, not whenever it was one of the main guys that helped you get it. Like, Hey guys, half exactly. Del Sandro's good guy. And then within a half hour, it's like, screw that guy. He's over the edge. You know? <laughs> like, yeah. And, uh, his yell when he falls over the balcony is hysterical. It is. It's like, I almost went, like, it, it, this is too early for a Wilhelm scream, but that would have felt appropriate for, yeah, happened. it was basically a Wilhelm scream. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So now we cut to the next day. The crowd is quiet and he's uh, um, Clemente's kind of concerned that why, why is the town so quiet and everything? And uh, at this point he's talking to Tobal and Garcia and they both kind of have a problem with the death of Adelisandro and there he, he looks in the mirror yet again and sees them coming towards him in the mirror. But of course they aren't actually. So, instead of just killing them on sight or pushing them off the balcony, like uh, unlike the previous guy, he tells them to go to the prison to check on the previous general de Cruz. And so after they leave, he ends up calling the prison and tells them to shoot to and Garcia on sight. Yeah. And you know, have them do the dirty work and out of sight, out of mind. And, uh, and, and Cristo, uh, is kind of, Cristo's the only one left at this point. Very fast. Right. And also in the background though, I don't know if this is starting to happen, but there's the there's the executions that are going on of like yes. all the people. Yeah, that are this is definitely where it comes further into uh, 
your consciousness when you're watching the episode because during the whole time during the dialogue you can hear the executions and the machines machine guns going off in the background and there's a significant lack of score at this point so you're just getting these sounds yeah it's very off-putting it's like it's also painting the picture of like meet the new boss same as the old boss type of thing you know and so but clemente is kind of he's starting to get kind of harried he can't trust anybody and basically he has this conversation with Cristo about this, you know, everything going on. And Cristo is like, uh, basically he's like, um, you know, there's this more pie for us, you know, like he's like, get yeah, rid he's of a, a pie yeah. cut in two is more for us is yeah. better than a pie cut in five pieces. Yeah. And they have this whole dialogue about how he can't have any friends anymore. He either has followers or competitors. Um, and so he, um, Ramos Clemente asks him, he's like, so what, what are you? And Cristo says he's a follower. Yeah. Up until that moment where I feel like you cannot lead anymore. <laughs> it's like, it's so like I'm like, yeah, that's probably not a good thing to say to the guy that just killed three of your other, uh, <laughs> your other compadres at this point. Yeah, you it's know, like, it's like Christo. I know you're the bad boy, but you don't have to be the bad boy all the time. You know, like you could, <laughs> you know, um, basically, yeah, it's like this play it close to the vest. If you feel like you're waiting for a moment of weakness, maybe don't tell that to the guy that has the mirror. That's like showing him things. Just that's yeah. a pro tip, you know? So, so right yeah. after that, Clemente looks in the mirror and he sees Cristo holding a glass of wine towards him. So obviously, uh, implying that he's going to try and poison him. Well, that's the one, the one time that the reflection is actually showing what's possible too. you know, he's actually offering him a drink. And at one point, like he ends up, like, I think Cristo drinks the drink and he says something about how he's allergic to poison, which I thought was a funny line. So, yeah. you know, so then, uh, you know, Ramos, you know, kills him too, you know, and he's done with this and he has no more friends and you get the call. He gets the call in that, uh, the other two have been killed as well. And he's just, yeah. he's left, he's King nothing, you know, in his, his office, he's basically living in there. You don't know if he's even left it, but he's just like, you know, he has all the power and, and no, no way to really exert it other than keep killing all those that he believes are going to be threats to him. Yeah. So we we cut to a few weeks later, uh, Ramos is passed out on the desk, and then we enter Father Tom, uh, Tomas, and uh, he enters, and he's like, the executions have been going on for weeks now. The people are unhappy. The people want to know, like, is this what we have to look forward <laughs> to with a new regime? You know, just unrelenting executions nonstop in the streets. And... Um, Ramos, you know, he he says he can't stand it. He's frightened constantly. And you get the monologue from the priest that's basically saying this is the story of all tyrants. There's always one real enemy and no one recognizes it until it's too late. So after he leaves, Ramos looks in the mirror and uh, obviously only sees himself in the mirror. So we cut back out to the hallway with the priest and the guard who apparently was uh, Robert McCord. <laughs> and you hear the gunfire in the room, just one gunshot. And they go back into the room. And you see that Ramos uh, Clemente has shot himself. Yeah. And that's it. That's your episode like that. You know, yeah. Like that was that was quick. I think we just that was the fastest. I think we've gone through any story of this, <laughs> this yeah, uh, just, series. Like what do you like, do? It was 10 minutes. Yeah. Like, I mean, he doesn't. He, he has what he wants. He believes he, he got this because of himself and his friends. And then someone's like, by the way, this mirror is going to make you turn against everybody. And then he does. And then that's it. Like it was so yeah. there's no, 
I mean, we'll get to the twist meter, but it's like, like, and I know I played that little intro where basically, uh, um, the cruise is telling him this is what's going to happen. Like it just, there is, there's nothing hidden in this episode whatsoever. And it's such a, a, um, you know, like statement episode, but yeah. so, so and it's, a, it's a nice statement. Like it, it I don't, is. I don't yeah. have a problem with it because like, this is something that's really relevant. I mean, you're dealing with the rise of Fidel Castro. You know, you had the Bay of pigs. If we're getting to the Cuban missile crisis in 1962, the next year after this, like this is something, you know, this is, this is South America without being any country, you know, they don't yeah. give a location on this. So this is just kind of any South American or Latin dictator. Um, but it's, it's obviously referencing Fidel Castro cause that's what's on the news and the minds of everyone right now. So like it's, it's an interesting time to be telling the story and everything. It's just what it has to say about dictators. I feel like is nothing new or is nothing terribly interesting. It's just like, yeah, of course, power corrupts all. <laughs> like, it's one of those things. It's why communism doesn't work. Like, it's 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 one of those things. Like, where we deal with human nature so much on the show that when you put it in the political context, it's it's like, of course, that's gonna what's gonna yeah. happen. You know, it's it's nothing new. It's nothing that's going to blow your mind when you watch this episode. And really, uh, you know, it's it's not gonna you're not gonna be. You're not going to be shocked by this is what I'm trying to say, I guess. And it's almost like not to go too far off into this, because it makes me wonder if given the political climate at the time, if this almost wasn't a way to make people maybe be like, you know what? They're going to burn themselves out because no one can trust each other anyway. We're fine. You know, but we just had the shelter episode a couple, a couple episodes previously. (laughs) It's like. There's a weird, like, but what if we aren't fine? We can't trust each other. No, no, no. We'll be good. We'll be good. No, that, it's, that mirror's going to make him kill everybody anyway. Like, I just, it's it's kind of a, it's, it's a weird political climate to have this episode, like, be the one that follows the shelter, you know? Like, it's yeah. just, and, and it's, I, yeah. I guess the other side of it, though, that's, that's cool is that how many other shows were tackling these subjects at oh, the yeah, time? Oh, yeah, for sure. You know, as much as I say this is nothing that's really... Uh, groundbreaking for me uh, when when you go back and watch this, but I, I can't think of anything else that was airing in 1961 that was tackling this sort of subject. So, and, and that brazenly, and it, right? Because I mean, you, you, whenever you go and look at like even like the film The Interview, which I mean, I know that deals with like the assassination of a dictator, uh, mm-hmm. but that was done tug in cheek. People lost their mind. If you if you imagine a TV show now being like, you know what, we're going to do an entire episode about the toppling of a known enemy. Like there, it would be, there's going to be discuss like more discussion about the ramifications of that, as opposed to, you know, with, with, with Sterling, which I'm sure he was trying always best foot forward of human nature. There'd always be that like, yeah, but do you really know the collateral damage you're going to be doing by doing this? You know? Yeah. So, and, and the sci-fi in this, uh, you know, it, it, you said this is very brazen. The sci-fi in this is really subtle. It is like yeah. it, the, uh, the mirror image, I mean, it could be there. It could not be. It could be a, a figment of his imagination, of his. Uh, it could be an illusion. It could not be. You know, yeah. it's it's one of those episodes that's kind of vague with what's actually happening. And I, I like that. Um, but I, I, there's just something missing in this episode. <laughs> yeah, there is. I don't, I don't know. 
I just I don't I don't know what you could do to add to it because I think it gets its point across and I think the performances are fine. It just it's just something that there's just not enough there. And thank God these episodes are 25 minutes because it does it doesn't overstay its welcome. It it never at any point gets like to the point of eye rolling or just like getting annoyed with it or anything. But um, I I don't know. There's just something missing. I couldn't put my finger on. There's no there's no um, error in his ways other than he loses his friends. Like because you ultimately don't know with any authority that the first three people were going to try to kill him. Just you get the idea the fourth the fourth one's going to because Christo basically says like yeah I'm following you until I'm not like that's a veiled threat you know that kind of yeah. thing but the other yeah. the other three were on board they were you know and so it's like there's no there's no moment of hesitation of like maybe this mirror is not showing me the truth you know and so yeah that could yeah. have been a good conflict for the episode just because the only time they even hint at that is when uh uh. Was it Christo, the yeah. last guy alive? Yeah, Christo's like, that wasn't poison. Yeah. Like, you're losing your goddamn mind. <laughs> like, <laughs> it's just a mirror. It's just glass. It's just a reflection. You are the one losing your mind. That's the only time they plant any doubt whether or not that's real or not. But even at that point, it seems like somebody who's been caught that's trying to save himself at the last moments of his life. Yeah. So it, it, doesn't, it, it doesn't feel like the reflection is actually showing the truth. So as far as uh, Clemente goes, there really is no conflict in his mind. Yeah. And as so, a, as a viewer, you're not getting that conflict because he's not really questioning his sanity. Yeah. So I think that's what's missing. So um, I would just get, there's really no notes about this episode. And I mean, other than like, I didn't take much either, uh, but I'm just talking in terms of like the reference, like the books I have. Uh, Falk was paid $3,000 for this, which is 2000 less than what people are getting paid previously. Cause I know they're working with budgets. He was signed on to do two more episodes that didn't happen. That could have been interesting. I mean, I know we're a little pressed for time. Falk was, he was, he was the anchor of this. He did a really good job, like taking nothing away from him. Yeah. He was good. Yeah. He was, he yeah. was fantastic. And you know, for not having a lot of, uh, uh, Latin actors in this. Yeah. <laughs> Um, yeah. it, it was, it was fine. It, it wasn't, it, it's a little wincy when you look at it now, you're like, ah, that's a little much, but same time, I don't think they went caricature other than folk. No, he, he leaned no. a little much, but it's like, you, you know, you don't know, you don't know Clemente as a character. I mean, he, it wasn't, he wasn't being a stereotype. I don't know. Like, I feel like it, it could have went way worse than, oh yeah. Had. We, we could yeah. have ended something like, uh, like, uh, oh my God. Like, uh, John Wayne playing Genghis Khan or something. Yeah. <laughs> like, um, it, there could have been something way worse going on this episode, but I think people did a good enough job minus the fake beards and mustaches. <laughs> Cause that's, that's something with having the HD technology going back, back and watching these all cleaned up <laughs> that you're like, Oh my God, you can, you can see the glue on the prosthetics yeah, and stuff at certain great. points. Um, Buck um, admitted that their understanding of cash at the time was limited. So he feels that their attempt at depicting him wasn't the strongest, like I agree with that, and for Houghton to admit, like, yeah, we didn't have that much information. Here's what we think is what's going on. I, you know, I like they they swung they swung hard. They they didn't connect completely, but it was okay enough. 
I don't know if I'll ever want to come back to this episode to, to watch it for enjoyment's sake in terms of like being a favorite. No. It's okay. No, it's it's but, not fun. No, but the char- <laughs> the characters are okay. It's just that you're right. Something's missing. It's not the worst episode I've seen. It's just, it's just, it's, it's a winning to be, when we go back to look on season three, it's going to be one of the more forgettable ones. And that's how yeah, I feel it, about it. Like I said, it's, it's not fun. It's not something that you're no. going to throw on when you're like, Hey, you guys want to watch some twilight zone tonight? <laughs> Like, let's watch this depressing uh, episode where a dictator kills himself and all of his friends. Like, yeah. perfect. There you go. Great. <laughs> who, who wants a drink that's not poison? You know, so, yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, uh, no, yeah. it's it's not terrible. I I don't know. I, I wouldn't recommend going to it uh, <laughs> first and foremost. No, no. Um, so, yeah, I got nothing else uh, in, in about the episode, like, in, in, in earnest. No, um, I... I tried to take some notes on this thing and it was like Cuba. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, it's pretty straightforward of what it's trying to talk about. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's pretty hard to deny the effects that the Cuba and the news and everything, like I said, with the Bay of pigs and everything going on down there, it's, it's hard to deny what effect that was having on this episode. Yeah, absolutely. So, all right. Um, let me, we'll do the twist and then I'll do my tie in to what I, something pertinent about this episode and then we'll, we'll wrap it up. So here we go. Let's rate the twist for this. This will be fun. <laughs> surprise, surprise. I'm giving it a one that Ramos would eventually like he would, that Clemente would, uh, would lose everything. And then himself, yeah, it kind of kind of soft in the like beginning. A, yeah, it's not like it was in the title. <laughs> no, you know? no. Yeah, so the, no reflection required. I give it a one. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna agree with that. Yeah. Uh, decent episode. Uh, terrible twist. I, I guess it's not even a terrible twist. It's just you can see it coming from the beginning. Like I said, yeah. you know, he got uh, overthrown government with an episode called The Mirror. Like obviously, he's gonna he's going to look and find himself as the enemy at the end. It's just, I don't know. It's, it's not great. So not a good twist, but um, I'll get, I'll give it a one as well. Quick tie into this. I decided to look up. I typed in a haunted mirror into Google to see what would happen. And I found a story from a February 18th, 2013. Someone put up a haunted mirror, supposedly antique mirror up on eBay. uh, And the, they got um, $155 for it. So they claim that since they had the mirror, um, they, they had a streak of bad luck and they said, was it the duo claimed that since they took possession of the mirror, they woke up screaming in pain, felt a sense of impending doom and spotted flickering shadows reflected in it. And Peter Falk showed up. It was weird. Um, but then they, they decided to get rid of it. And then, so someone, there was one bid and it was for the, the minimum price of $155. So they couldn't even, it's like for a, a mirror that was supposed to be haunted that did all these terrible things. They got one bid and they got their minimum. So they couldn't even make like money off of the thing that they're straight up telling everybody, Hey, haunted mirror. Cool. And that's it. Yeah. It's, it's weird. Uh, I have a haunted mirror. Every time I look in it, I just have a terrible fake mustache. Yeah. I just, uh, <laughs> I, I get older and more haggard every time I look in yeah. the mirror. I don't know what's going on. Yeah. Um, there is, a, I know I've talked about in the show before, uh, one of my favorite anthology horror films from beyond the grave. There's a whole segment with a haunted mirror, um, that is incredible. So definitely go check out that movie. Yeah. And have you seen that Oculus one's... with, um, yeah, I yeah. have seen Oculus. Yeah. So it's, it's okay. I, I liked it. I thought it was trippy. So that's definitely doing the haunted mirror and it gets really screwy there. So yeah, it's got its moments. Yeah. I'll definitely take from beyond the grave over Oculus, but, 
Um, we should cover that at some point, maybe around Halloween. That would yeah. be a good Halloween feel. As long as it's not another encounter with the unknown, I'm down for that. So that'd be amazing. Yeah. So, I know I covered it on uh, Radio Violenta, but I'd, I'd like to cover it with you. I'd, I'd be curious to hear what your thoughts are on that thing. Yeah, absolutely. I'm just going to go back and listen to that episode and say word for word what you guys already talked yeah. about. Surprise you. Good no, luck finding it. So. <laughs> <laughs> maybe I have it recorded and nestled away so I can listen to you whenever I want. So anyway. I, um, I can send it to you. <laughs> All right. Um, yeah, that's going to do it for the mirror. Um, uh, Kevin, how can people find us? Uh, you can find us on Facebook and Instagram at strange highways. You can email us and leave us voicemails at strange highways podcast at gmail.com. Uh, and please, if you haven't already rate and review us on iTunes, Stitcher, Podbean, uh, Satchel, pretty much anywhere you can find podcasts, it would definitely help us out. And Please, uh, I, I assume if you're listening to this, you've already subscribed, but please subscribe if you haven't yet. Yeah. And did you mention Instagram? I know we're on there too. So yeah, yeah. Facebook, yeah. Instagram and, uh, YouTube, yeah. there's still things to come, uh, when life settles down a little bit, uh, definitely keep an eye on the YouTube page. Yeah, I feel like once, once we get past August, things are going to settle down a little bit, but yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll figure things out. So, all yeah, right. Definitely. Um, we'll, we'll keep you guys tuned to that. All right. So next episode is the grave. It's not beyond the grave. This is the grave. So uh, here we go. Let's see if I can redeem myself after last time. Uh, it's traditional in the great American Western that the climax of any given story is the gun down on the, on the main street. Next week, Montgomery Pittman has written a story in which we have our gun down and then go on from there. It's a haunting little item about a top gun as he was alive and his operation after death. This is one for rainy nights and power failures, but wherever you find it or wherever you want it, I think it will leave its imprint. If there's a power outage, how are you going to watch this? That's my question. But anyway, <laughs> uh, next episode is The Grave. It has, um, oh, there, there's some some big names in it, and I forget off the top of my head now, but they'll be fun. It's kind of a Western. It's supposed to be kind of spooky, and it's going to be right in your wheelhouse. So I'm looking Sounds forward to great. it. Sounds yeah. great. All I heard was Top Gun in that. Top Gun, yeah. Uh, <laughs> um, no, it has yeah, Lee, Lee Marvin. I'm, I'm Lee Marvin's in it, I think, if I remember right. Oh, so. yeah. Lee, Mar Lee Marvin is in it. Yeah, but yeah this this is uh, calling it right now my favorite episode of the season. <laughs> <laughs> favorite episode of the series. Lee Marvin, Western Supernatural. We're calling it right now. It is a sequel to Mr. Denton on Doomsday. We just don't know it yet. So anyway. Oh, God, don't yeah. ruin it for me. <laughs> so, yeah. So until next week, uh, have a good week. And um, I don't know. I mean, I guess don't look in a mirror with your friends in the vicinity because you might see things you don't want to see. I, I I don't know. I got nothing there. Yeah, I don't know. Don't topple the government or do. I didn't say it. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Don't topple the government. And I, I'll quote a, a person I, I've, I've heard before. Don't be Hitler. That's what I was saying about yeah, that. Don't be, yeah. Oh, I missed my chance. <laughs> Father, I can't stand it. I can live like this. I'm frightened. From morning till night, from night to morning, I hold my breath and I keep looking in back of me to see if there's something. I want to know why do I have so many enemies? This is the story of all tyrants, General. They have but one real enemy. And this is the one they never recognize until too late.